We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Lynn's Bin on 93XRT. Why do we like baseball so much? You see, it used to be like this. And I'm not talking about the Cubs or the Sox. I'm talking about schools out. A breakfast of frosted flakes and milk. Yeah, milk, not 2%, not 1%, not fat-free. You ate cereal because anything else took too long. Mom, I gotta go. There's a game. There was always a game, even when there wasn't. I'm talking about sliding your ragged baseball glove on the handlebars of your Schwinn. Just you and the Hager kids and Mario. You know, everybody. Even the twins, Jimmy and Kevin, who fought all the time. Some of us in stiff dungarees with a chipped bat slung over the shoulder and a baseball glove hanging off the end, trudging along like a runaway looking for a ride. It was just kids. Maybe parents had more faith in kids then, or maybe they just had more faith. Although I figure some of those moms and dads decided to let Darwin have his day. You see, if you talk to a baseball fan, we don't always cling to the game because our favorite major league team signed a free agent or because we really expect a pennant. We come back because we know how it feels. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. You know, it's writing like that that makes you not want to write. You know, so I'm going to go ahead and blame our next guest who joins us in the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. Uh, for my relative inactivity of late in putting pen to paper, I just, I feel more comfortable, Lynn, that I might be able to do something on the microphone as I take uh, linguistic liberties and look up the etymology of idioms on a now weekly basis (laughs) with no baseball, (laughs) that I might be able to do something that approaches decency. You, my friend, that's beautiful stuff about the game that we both love. Beautiful. You know, it's it's funny you pick out out, out that clip because... I was so wanting to participate in some way in baseball yesterday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, sir. That I made uh, uh, a neighborhood kid across the street who I first knew when he was four or five years old um, and has been known um, on the block as Cubby Kevin since he was a little kid. Uh-huh. Um, I said, Kevin, go get your glove. I need to have a catch with somebody. I need to play catch. So he has a new glove, and we just threw the ball at each other back and forth in the summer heat yesterday just because I wanted to hear that sound of the ball in the glove and wanted to see if my rotator cuff is is uh, recovering from uh, my injury of about a month ago. I, I, I strained it, I think, reaching for a bottle of tequila on an upper shelf. That's a true story. That is, that's so much better in terms of an injury story than Jose Quintana reaching into a sink and grabbing a knife with his pitching thumb. You know, or or Steve Trout falling off a stationary bicycle. That that's an all timer. Oh, there's so many of those. There's so many of those. But reaching for a bottle of tequila, damaging the rotator cuff. Yeah, I, I was really angry at myself. Really, Lynn. 
Yeah. At your age, you're going to have to hang up your glove because you were reaching for tequila. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is when that happens, you've got the anesthesia you need right there already in your hand, assuming you finished the task. Uh, you know what? I, I once said to my wife, as God is my witness, I will never run out of tequila again. <laughs> so, so, so I don't have to reach up and grab it. He's Lynn Bramer. He is your midday man on WXRT, and and I just heard Lynn. I didn't know this. You're the voice of the billboards, the introductions and sponsorship billboards on Cubs broadcast this year on uh, the Cubs radio network and six seventy the score. That is tremendous. You know what? It it doesn't seem real to me yet. And I heard you talking about it on the air. Go. That's right. Yeah. I am the voice of the Chicago Cubs on the Score Sports Radio 670. That's <laughs> going to be awesome. It's, it's kind of like the feeling you probably had when they said, hey, Matt, you're going to have to do some play-by-play. There's some oh, people God. out. How about you do some play-by-play for the Cubs? Yeah, that was horrifying. Uh, that was, that was <laughs> just, just terrifying. I prepared a lot, but it wasn't enough. Just was not enough. Um, I do like, though, that I still have the one listener – um, at least one guy who always, when I'm on, says, you know, in an odd way, I hope they don't play a single game. Then the only game that I listened to this year was called by Matt Effing Spiegel. You know? <laughs> I heard you talking about that. <laughs> that would be perfect. Right? Just the one game. Just the one. Hey, you know who was great in 2020 doing play-by-play for the uh-huh. Cubs? Uh, Matt Spiegel. Uh, vis-a-vis nobody else. Yes. I'll tell you what, that guy could say the best Cubs play-by-play voice I heard this year of an actual game was, was Matt Spiegel. Not, you know, not a, not a replay because we've, we, we've, we've certainly uh, heard lots of those. Um, but, Lynn, no, that, that's great that you're going to be part of the broadcast, man, because I know the feeling of just being part of either pre and post or getting to do that one game like I did or hear the Tributosaurus song or whatever, it's just it always feels kind of surreal, and you will be followed by Pat Hughes. Your voice goes right into Pat Hughes. That is going oh, to feel cut perfect. it out. Well, I, I have to tell you, since we've been friends for 25, 30 years, if we are that old, that uh, whenever I heard the, hear the, the, the jingle that starts the uh, Cub broadcast, I just turned to my wife and goes, that's Matt. <laughs> she goes, you're an idiot. <laughs> yes. Well, um, my son knows that one, and he knows Feltko. He knows that. He hears, he hears Feltko, and he goes, Oh, hey. yeah. That's you, that's, you, that's you, Daddy. But that's not why we called. So Lynn Bramer, um, high school pitcher of note. And, and uh, you know, I, I saw that you tweeted this video, and I just retweeted it moments ago. The 65-year-old lefty Lynn Bramer with a fastball that touches the upper 50s, a two-seamer that darts like a drugged minnow, and a roundhouse curve that arrives like a stalled downbound train Delayed by an unauthorized person on the tracks. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't have what I used to have. Although um, somebody was mocking me yesterday about my lack of velocity, and I was able to snap off a couple of really sharp curves. I said, take that. Ooh. So, so that's, that's what I was wondering. Like, that is a lovely description, and it describes some pitches that you used to throw. But were you, were you still throwing those pitches with the different fingerings, the different grips and, and movements and such? Well, when I was in high school, I essentially just had two pitches, uh, yeah. a two-seam fastball, maybe a four-seamer, and a curveball. And what I would hope to do is get out in front of the batter, you know, like one and two and oh and two and go, 
okay, now I'm just going to drop that big curve mm. right over the plate. And then I'd hit him in the head, and he'd go down to first base. <laughs> but every once in a while, I know you had moments. I know you had moments where you did drop that curve over the plate, and he swung over it. And you're just like, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Can you think of one? Did you have him? Well, I'd, I'd, uh, to, to drop a name that you sometimes hear in the score, you know, the famous sports writer John Feinstein? Yes. I pitched against him. <laughs> we were both New York schoolboy uh, and he he remembers and tweeted about this uh, a wow. couple months ago, wow. re- remembering me striking him out. And I believe that was a game where I pitched a seven-inning no-hitter and lost the game because I wow. walked like ten guys. <laughs> I modeled myself after the young Sandy Koufax. And by young Sandy Koufax, he had no control yet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah, I, I wind up... My yeah. windup was right over the top, like Sandy Koufax. Um, I did not throw a, a an index finger curveball, which I think Sandy Koufax threw, which is just insane. Hmm. Um, but I wanted to be Sandy Koufax, so I was much more uh, impressed with throwing hard than throwing to you know the glove. In fact, my brother David, who was uh, a really good baseball player, and we played on the varsity high school team together. He was two years younger than me. He was the hmm. shortstop. I was the pitcher. And um, in batting practice, you know, sometimes you'd have live batting practice. And if I hit him with a pitch, I wouldn't say, are you okay? I would say, was it fast? Did it hurt? <laughs> Somebody's got to give you that affirmation. Exactly. Right? So, yes, yes. It, that, that's, his, that's his job to take that pain and, and return it with affirmation. As I watched your your uh, delivery and your mechanics and especially your finish. I know you modeled yourself after Koufax right now. I'm seeing Tommy John. Have you ever thought that he looked like you or you looked like him in the way that you pitch? I legitimately looked said, boy, that reminds me of Tommy John, especially the finish for some reason. You know what? It, 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 there is kind of a stilted wind up and that whole pause with the, the glove at my belly yeah, uh, that was all stylistic nonsense. That's not how I would pitch. Uh-huh. Um, I I actually thought almost uh, Louis Louis Tiant without the uh-huh. as much of a twist. Oh, that's my guy right there. Tiant the, the, is your guy? Oh God! Well, I mean, what, one of my guys. I have a lot of guys. I have a lot of guys. Okay, Tiant really my older brother's guy. And then as I started to pitch and try and think that I was ever going to be anything. I would try to figure out the difference between Louis Tiant and Gene Garber in terms of the of the delivery. Remember Gene Garber did the oh, same yeah. kind of thing, same kind of move. And then I then I found Kent Tacolvi and tried to throw like Kent Tacolvi for a while, and none oh, of those your worked. arm will fall off. You try to throw like Kent Tacolvi. Yeah, drag those knuckles on the ground. He, um, he was a he was a submariner who looked a little bit like the uh, the uh, warning sign on a bottle of iodine. <laughs> You know, the little skeleton like warning. That guy. Like, don't drink this stuff. Yeah. But man, he fits somehow. It's just the, the most photogenic in an odd way team ever with the uniforms and the whole thing with Pop Stargell and, and, and Sanguian and, and the Cobra and, and to Colby and all those guys. Just what a, what a tremendously entertaining team. I think it was the 79 World Series victory where Kent Colby nailed it down. Yep. And, uh, was, was, uh, on TV a week or so ago, as as we all all baseball fans are now 
looking and saying, do I really care about a, a 19? <laughs> was it yesterday? They were showing a 2011 Cubs-Washington Nationals game from July 4th. I go, do I really want to watch the Cubs from 2011? Mm, yeah. One of the first things they say in, in the broadcast as I'm watching it on the MLB network is, the Cubs has the Cubs have the worst defense in the major leagues this year. Like, yeah, no, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> Thank you very much, and on we move. Well, here's the thing, Lynn Bramer. There's actual activity. Have you um, allowed yourself? Hey, Sean Anderson, who is our, our intrepid producer. Sean, would you please play Javier Baez doubling off you Darvish yesterday? I believe as recorded by a friend of the show, Steve Greenberg of the Chicago Sun-Times, and listen to some voice telling him to try and stretch it into a double. That's the best we got right now, Lynn. I saw the video. I didn't hear the audio, and I uh, on the phone, I can't really make out what they're saying. But I was very excited to see that because yesterday they sh- I saw some highlights on social media. It was just it was just Chris Bryant striking out and somebody yeah. else striking out, and uh, Kyle Hendricks looking really sharp. But uh, I, I I needed that Javi Baez double and and some voice going two 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 two. I don't I don't know. We don't know who it is. Somebody's shouting two. Over and over, is it the first base coach? Possibly. Is it Mike Napoli through that beard? Possibly. Who's in the Tim Buss role in the dugout? I don't. These are the things we're going to get to find out. If they play games, the broadcast possibilities of what it's going to sound like on 670 The Score after, after my song and your billboard. That's pretty fun, Lynn, that we're on the broadcast together. Um, it, that, I, it's, it's fascinating. We might learn some things that we – we will certainly learn some things that we never would have learned if there were fans in the stands. Yeah, like you really need a delay button for a live broadcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I heard this yesterday. I did not know this, that, that some teams are considering – and maybe they're already doing it. I don't, I don't know. But doing – I don't think they're doing it because there are no games, but getting pictures submitted online from season ticket holders, as, as you are, Lynn, as you have been for a long time, right? Yeah, getting, since 89. Yeah, so getting, getting pictures from season ticket holders and putting those in the seats as part of the cutouts uh, of those seats where those people usually sit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. What, a, what about, are they going to do, are they going to do, um, synthetic crowd noise at all um yeah you know every every team has it completely up to their own auspices they 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 decide what to do and mitch rosen has talked about this that yeah the, the the score is going to be going to be doing some some stuff like that looking into it and uh, to me that's fascinating what what i've envisioned is that you know some teams will have like the an austere kind of cinema verite, you know, very uh, streamlined minimalist approach, right? Right. A- and then some teams are going to have like it's going to be like the sitcom of baseball, just laugh tracks and like super loud excitement and poorly timed crowd reactions, and and then other teams are just going to be just completely blank and absolutely dead. So like See, the personality I'm a, I'm a- comes through. I'm a radio guy. I, I got. I'm thinking theater of the mind. I, I'm all for the, the uh, the laugh track and and the, the crowd noise and mm-hmm. and uh, some sound engineer having a lot of fun. Going, yeah. let's let's get this 
well, that was a bunt single. Let's plug in the reaction to the Cubs winning the World Series or something like that. Yes. I, I, well, and, and here's the thing. You could do some of that. And also, they've reached out to video game people. I know that, that the soccer, the Premier League has EA Sports, has the video game people adding in live sound because you got to track that stuff and play like the, the, the excitement build button and then uh, the, the disappointing outcome button or the excitement <laughs> gets even larger button. You know, you got to time out all that stuff and have your options ready. These are the things we're looking forward to if we get to look forward to it. Well, uh, th- that's the main question of the day, is are you, as a baseball fan, allowing yourself to envision a season, to emotionally invest and believe that we're going to get a season? And it's a question we ask ourselves every year in a competitive sense. Am I going to commit that my team might actually be good and I'll probably get my heart broken again? And I know you're a yes on that. You're one of my favorite yeses on that uh, on the planet. So right now in this moment, are you able to invest? Well, here's the thing. Um, don't believe a word I say because I'll say, you know what, it's going to be half a season. I'm not that interested. Who knows if they're going to finish the season. But just between you and me, if there are baseball games, I'm going to be listening to them. And God forbid I'm allowed to watch them as well. I may do that. But there is no question in my mind that it is in my DNA that I cannot turn away from baseball especially a Major League Baseball game with the, the, the surging White Sox, although they haven't played a game yet, <laughs> and the Chicago Cubs, I will, need yes. to, I will need to watch that as long as it's going on. Now, you know, everyone's speculating whether they can do a full season, a full half season, mm. um, but as long as it's there, I'm there too. Yeah. Um, I... I, I... Well, before I, I, I want to ask you about one other aspect in baseball, but before we get there, earlier in the week, Dan Bernstein had me on to talk about um, the national anthem as a song, just simply as a song. And lyrically, there are, are issues, of course, but as a song also, it's just it's so awkward to sing. Lynn, some of the greatest singers in the world have never bothered to attempt because it's got this crazy range of an octave and a half. You know, oh, say, you got to go down there if you're going to be able to make it, make it sound decent when you get up to the top. And it's just hard to sing along with. And so this land is your land um, has come up. I really like America the Beautiful. But if we went to the rock milieu, which is your your wheelhouse, tell me why you thought of, um, appropriately so enough, uh, the wheel by Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. Tell me why you thought of The Wheel. Well, The Wheel uh, always reminds me of a line in Bob Dylan's The Times They Are at Changing, where he sings, don't speak too soon, because the wheel's still in spin, because things are always changing. Mm -hmm. The Wheel is one of those all-purpose, inspirational songs. Uh, It almost has, uh, I don't know, a, a deep... Asian religion reference to it. It's just a catch-all whenever I want to play a song that means a lot to anyone who hears it. That's the song I go to. All right. Here's a little The Wheel by Jerry. Hey, man. The the spacey top has that jam to it right away. Um, But lyrically... Tell me why Jason Isbell um, is, and his song, Hope the High Road, speaks to you, Lynn Bramer. 
Well, Jason Isbell, one of uh, America's finest singer-songwriters today, Hope the High Road just has one great line after another. And even though it's a couple years old, it's almost as if it was written for this moment in history, this time, with everything that's happening. And the chorus is just perfect. It's talking about, you know, you may be tired, you may be sick, everything, but in the end, let's hope you take the high road. Love it. 670, the score is where you are. Lynn Bramer, thanks for the time, man. One of my favorite baseball fans on the planet. Uh, I look forward to uh, both of our voices being in a Cubs broadcast booth this year. That'll be fun. Thank you, Matt. I, I really missed this weekend, normally the American Music Festival, and seeing you and Tributosaurus become, say, the band. Mm. And, and singing, it makes no difference. That, that makes oh. me sad that I didn't get that experience. And also, yeah. Pollyanna was turned into a Disney movie in the 60s okay. starring Haley Mills. And I loved it because I loved Haley Mills. <laughs> you're tying the room together. That's what you're yeah. doing. Like a good Tied area run. Not. <laughs> you are the best. Thank you, Lynn. Appreciate it. Anytime. Yeah, man. July 4th is supposed to be Fitzgerald's and the uh, Great American Music Festival. One of the... The absolute best things that happens every year in Chicagoland. Absolute best things. And I hope we can do it next year. It is uh, 670, the score. And we're going to check in with our man Bruce Levine at some point here this morning. Also, Jason Benetti, the voice of the White Sox, will be at the top of the hour. Chris Kampka also uh, coming up later on to really tie the room together. That is his gig, people. Don't, don't take his gig, Bramer. And also... Um, we're going to talk about a uniquely baseball issue when a player of a certain magnitude could really affect the, 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 way, the way that you think about everything. Is it a uniquely baseball issue or not? We'll talk about that at some point as well. At 670, the score, it's hit and run with me, Matt Spiegel. Keep it right here. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. It is 670 The Score, and while Luis Robert takes batting practice right now over at Guaranteed Rate Field, we got some sobering news uh, during the break, and that is this from the Chicago White Sox. Quote, as part of Major League Baseball's return to play health protocols, Chicago White Sox players, staff, and front office members received COVID-19 testing. Of these, two players tested positive. 
Two players tested positive. Both individuals who tested positive are asymptomatic. That's good news. Have been isolated in Chicago. That's good news. And currently are being monitored by White Sox medical staff. Contact tracing for both was conducted. Both individuals will receive follow-up testing in the coming days. They will return to activities once they have recorded consecutive negative tests and passed appropriate COVID-19 protocols. The health of our players and staff is our top priority, and the White Sox are adhering to all MLB health and safety protocols. We cannot comment on the health status of individual players or employees regarding COVID-19, and the players involved requested privacy at this time related to their health situation. So more sobering news. More, uh, this is real, everybody. It is uh, more impactful, the this is real message, which apparently still needs to get out when someone puts their experience and their names and emotion to it. But that is their choice. And uh, I, of course, uh, and you, I should have no issue with people wanting to keep it private if they have indeed tested positive. That said, in a media business with people knowing who was supposed to be at camp and who might not be there yet, there is certainly going to be that kind of rampant speculation. This is the awkwardness of the moment that we're in as a sports business. Do you dig on stuff like this and expose this? Ridiculous, right? But you're sitting around, if you're sitting around in the press box like, hey, I don't see, hmm, blank. Where are they? What's going on? So, I mean, it's, you know, people will do that in a in an unrelated bit of White Sox news that we got the other day. Michael Kopech is not here for personal reasons. That's all that Rick Hahn said is a personal issue. And Michael Kopech is not there. And that's all he's saying. And that's fine. It's um, and it leads people to 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 think and to speculate and all of that. It's, you know, I think the truth if I were a player, um, and really as a human in whatever limited version of the public eye that I'm in, I've I've always gone down the path of trying to be as open as possible because it's easier and because uh, I don't want to live being uh, ashamed of something, especially if it's not my fault or it just is what it is. And, you know, and you might help people along the way. So I, I always applaud when people are willing to talk about the uncomfortable stuff. Uh, but when it comes to, to medical issues and how it might affect your families and all of that, you know, do, do whatever you need to do. It's a tricky, tricky time and a tricky, tricky moment. And add this to the pile of uncertainty that exists. Now we've hit close to home. Tommy Hadovy's emotional open sharing of his situation. And now the White Sox telling us that two players have tested positive. The best player in the game is undisputably Mike Trout. He's the best player in the game. And he is still debating on whether to play, whether to to be there and do it. He's still not comfortable, but he's doing it so far. Uh, Mike Trout talked about this. Joe Madden talked about this. Let's hear from them. It's the biggest name in the game. Mike Trout, his feelings on his lack of comfort with playing Major League Baseball. Honestly, still don't feel comfortable. You know, obviously with the with the baby coming, there's a lot of stuff going through my mind right now, my wife's mind, my family, just trying to be the safest and most cautious way to get uh, through a season. You know, I'm just, I, I've told Billy, I told a bunch of the guys, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I gotta I gotta be really cautious these next few weeks. I think the biggest thing is, you know, obviously I don't want to test positive and I don't want to bring it back to my wife. You know, I've 
we're we've thought hard about all this uh you know still thinking about all this it's uh it's a tough time tough tough situation we're in everybody's in you know everybody's got a responsibility in this clubhouse to you know social distance stay inside wear a mask you know keep everybody safe so it's Mike Trout who um, has grown more and more comfortable and more and more vocal, and I'm glad he should. Uh, he is truly great, and um, and the sport could use you know thoughtful, uh, open people as as much as as anybody. It absolutely could. Nine or ten different Angels players were unavailable to work out uh, on Friday. They they have two ballparks, Angel Stadium or Long Beach State. And Joe Madden was asked about that and said he can't say who those players were or why they were unavailable, but he says it was not because anybody had opted out. We haven't even talked about the opt-outs, really, but obviously that's the path we're going down here with Mike Trout still expressing his feelings. Here's Joe Madden talking about this uh, in a conference call uh, about the players and their concerns on playing. Mike Trout had some concern about, uh, about playing this year amid the coronavirus. So what, what have you heard from other players about their level of concern about uh, going through with this? Yeah, I mean, what we're doing right now is we're trying to address those concerns. Last night I had my um, team meeting uh, via Zoom, 7 p.m. We had over 100 people on the call to try to uh, talk about everything openly and make sure that everybody um, had all the facts and everybody can make an informed decision and was just very upfront, honest, as he could possibly be transparent. And we went through the whole process last night. We're continuing to do that with the training staff, our medical staff. Uh, we're here to answer all their questions. We want to make sure that uh, they make an informed decision. That's it. There's, there's no bias involved. There's nobody trying to influence anybody's decision. It's uh, These are grown men. They have to speak to their own truth, how they feel about things. So right now, we're just trying to give them as much as we possibly can and let them decide. So there is trepidation. Of course there is, among a lot of people both in the industry and not. I will say this, though. The protocol in place has really been well thought out. I've uh, been very impressed with the layers, the different layers involved. My goodness, they had to sit down for a while and, and figure all this out. It's going to take us a bit to get through the um, uncomfortable, inconvenient nature of the day and make it become more normal, but pretty impressive how MLB kind of uh, put this all together. It's Joe Madden talking about his players, including Mike Trout, who is you know, still uncomfortable. You heard uh, Dallas Keuchel earlier on the show talking about thinking about it every day and being uncomfortable, and there's Trout. Um, some players have opted out of the MLB season. And if you are going to do it, you might be forfeiting a lot of money. If you are deemed high risk and you opt out of playing, you don't lose your prorated season salary, and you don't lose the service time. But if you're not considered high risk, then you forfeit your salary. You don't accrue the service time. And some players were willing to do that. Mike Leake, the right-handed pitcher from the Diamondbacks, giving up about $5 million in salary. That's what he would have made in the 60-game season. He's going to become a free agent. There's an $18 million club option for 2021. It pays them a buyout. Who knows what they'll do with that? I know it sounds frivolous, but just letting you understand that some people are going to do it. And most of them are veterans who've made some money. Ryan Zimmerman. The Washington Nationals have never played a game without Ryan Zimmerman. Never. And if they play this year, they will. Given my family circumstances, three young children, including a newborn and a mother at high risk, decided not to participate, said Ryan Zimmerman. Wasn't going to make a ton of money. Has made a lot. Joe Ross of the Nationals. 
is it doesn't want to play. Um, the most one of the most beautiful and thoughtful things I've read in a long time was Ian Desmond um, in an Instagram post on the 29th of June talking about why he was opting out and desire to be with his family and his angst, um, his discomfort as a biracial man over the racial injustice and the, the moment, the situation, the moment, and wanting to focus his time and efforts there and locally on youth baseball, which saved his life, he says, in his hometown of Sarasota, Florida. So he's going to spend his time and his attention there. Quote, it's what I can do in the scheme of so much, so I am, is what Ian Desmond wrote. It's going to cost him $5.5 million. Got another year to go on the contract. David Price, just yesterday on the 4th of July, that is a big, big name, forfeiting about $12 million in salary this year. Enormous contract signed with the Tigers that, right? It was the Tigers that then became the Red Sox. Then became, is there another team that I'm missing in there? Tigers, Red Sox, and then Dodgers for David Price. Blue Jays, too. Yeah, Blue Jays. So the Blue, the Blue Jays got him from Detroit, right? I think that was a Mike Illich contract that then got traded to the Blue Jays and then ends up with Boston and then goes to the Dodgers? It's crazy. But anyway, David Price out $12 million and not going to play. Tyson Ross, Joe Ross's brother. And then most recently yesterday, Felix Hernandez, King Felix, who has lost it in terms of the fastball but is still very, very smart on the mound, trying to hold on, trying to make the Braves, Opted out. Not going to be part of things down in Atlanta is Felix Hernandez. There's quite an all-opt-out team that we could put together, right? I don't want to put together an all-virus team. That is in horrendous taste. But the all-opt-out team? Oh, yeah, baby. We could do that. It's a hell of a pitching staff so far on the all-opt-out team, right? You got both Rosses. You got Mike Leak. got David Price. King Felix to round it out. What do we do with our all opt-out team? Where do we take them? <laughs> How do you barnstorm with a bunch of guys who don't want to actually be exposed to anything? I guess you don't. I guess, Spiegel, that's kind of the whole point. I know what they should do. Fantasy league. An all opt-out fantasy league. Get those guys involved. I mean, I'm in. It's, it's what we got. I have fantasy drafts on the schedule. I'm so excited about that. I don't know if they'll happen, but Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, coming up, not this week, but next, leave me alone, back away as I draft a fantasy team for a 60-game sprint. It is 670 the score. The sobering news is what the White Sox had released. Let's check in with our man Bruce Levine, who's over at Guaranteed Rate, and you can set the scene for us and talk about that news as well next on 670 the score. Welcome back in on Hit and Run, right here on 670 The Score. Jason Benetti coming up at the top of the hour. But first, let's go to the scores baseball insider, our man and my Saturday partner, Bruce Levine, who joins us right now on the Alpamani Ford Hotline. Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park. Bruce, good morning. Uh, paint me a picture of, uh, of the situation over there at guaranteed rate, if you will. It's all normal, Matt. Uh, you know, I'm... Uh, 
everybody just took BP. You know, there were two groups. Uh, they did uh, pitchers did PFPs. There were probably I don't know 15 guys out in this group. Um, but uh, to start isolating to see who was there and who was not, and uh, finding out who who indeed uh, contracted and has uh, had a positive test, we're not we're not able to do that. There's going to be a lot of speculation, but as the White Sox said, uh, both players who tested positive uh, asked uh, not to it be uh, related to the general public. So they must go through uh, MLB COVID-19 protocol, have two uh, negative tests in a row. Uh, it'll be spaced a few days apart here. So uh, whoever they are, you know, will be missing some time here for sure before they get back with the group. That, that, that is Bruce Levine giving you the latest as two White Sox players did test positive for COVID-19. Their names undisclosed at their request, and, and uh, the speculation will not be warranted um, by, by the team, certainly publicly, and that's completely understood. But, boy, so go, activities going on on the field. Uh, you wonder when the players found out. And, uh, and Because Dallas Keuchel talked about this. He just kind of lived with the thought of it every day, lived with the fear right. of it every day. Do we know when the players were told or anything like that? Well, this uh, just was released at uh, like 10.15. So um, I'm sure the White Sox uh, probably got it early this morning. You know, again, all these tests began on Wednesday. But uh, as players came in and groups were tested, um, you know, you have to have a test every two days, Matt. So like Freddie Freeman, you know, Freddie Freeman came in on Wednesday in Atlanta and he tested negative. So two days later, which is the protocol for Major League Baseball, he had a second test and he tested positive. Uh, that is just the nature of what we're dealing with here, uh, whether he had it in his system uh, for 10, 12 days before that. We don't know. Uh, contracted it right away when he got to camp. So uh, everybody, you know, with the White Sox will be followed up on, of course, and they'll continue to be tested uh, probably even more often after positive tests came back here. But the protocol is every two days for uh, Tier 1 level um, personnel. Who are Tier 1? They're the Major League players. They're the Major League coaches and manager. They're uh, the support team of uh, the um front office people that are around and also uh, the uh, clubhouse people. Uh, they're the grounds crew people. Uh, those are the people that come into contact with, with these people. So uh, that is tier one. As media people, as always, we're the last tier. We're tier three. So that's a, that's a separate uh, entity altogether as far as uh, we don't, we don't, we're not tested. Our temperature is taken when we come into the ballpark. Our uh, things as i found out today at uh, guaranteed rate everything is sanitized by a security person sprayed down uh go through uh general security um uh it's it's a pretty stringent uh thing you know you do feel that people are on top of it here and at wrigley field and that you feel uh you are they are doing the right things hmm. well that, that's good that that at least that sense of security on on the small level uh bruce when you and i were we're on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday, and the Freddie Freeman news broke right in the middle of a conversation with Bob Nightingale. It was jarring, you know? It's just it kind of jarring emotionally to think about and sort of process. And then since the end of that show, you've got DJ LeMayhew and Luis Sessa. You've got Miguel mm-hmm. Sano. 
Um, you've got a couple of pitchers, Josh Taylor and another one for the right. Red Sox. and Salvador and the, Perez. Salvador, right. Salvador Perez uh, yesterday. Um, Mike Matheny had said that he contracted a month ago. I mean, it just keeps coming. And I, it, it, is, that, is that feeling of, uh, of that unfortunate feeling of dread, is that palpable amongst you and media brethren even more so today than it was yesterday? I, you know, I'm not sure about that because we all knew, you know, Intellectually, you knew that people were going to test positive, right? We're just mm-hmm. another portion of society. And, uh, you know, the more testing that's done, the more um, people are found to uh, have c- uh, contracted it. Both uh, White Sox players were asymptomatic uh, when they were told they tested positive. So, um, you know, these are things that as the testing gets better and more uh, prevalent, you're going to see more, more uh, positive tests. Uh, as to uh, dealing with it uh, early on and getting people separated and then doing the tracking, which I'm, I'm sure all these clubs are doing uh, on a daily basis to see who people uh, were in contact with mostly. Um, mm-hmm. That's the, the great unknown as to how quickly that happens and whether uh, it spreads real quickly among a, a group, um, you know, whether they're social distancing, wearing masks or not. Yeah, and as, as far as... As far as what might signal MLB to, to, to do anything or to change or to pause mm-hmm. or anything like that, I think we're still looking at a team going through some kind of crazy amount of turnover and being unable to field a competitive team because of Well, volume. you know, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a smart uh, comment. Um, you know, again, if you lose, I mean, let's say Team X or the Atlanta Braves, for instance, already lost four guys off their major league team for, uh, you know, Let's say it's going to be two weeks at the least. Uh, you know, if this continues to happen to teams with uh, high-profile players who start behind or contract the uh, illness and decide they don't want to play any longer, um, you know, wh- where does the competitive balance go? And uh, does it does it even uh, lessen the uh, reality of what a 60-game season is to begin with? So I, I think Major League Baseball has its ear to the ground and I think if you see it more prevalent and teams being impacted or areas you know for the regionals being more impacted than others um, you know Major League Baseball have to make a decision at that point I, I think July 23rd Matt seems a long long way away even though it's 19 days right mm-hmm. because every day seems like a week when we're waiting for uh, these teams to announce uh, more guys tested positive and uh and that uh, they're going to have to go through the protocol. It's uh, the new normal for baseball, and unfortunately for Major League Baseball and the players, they're the litmus test for all the other sports as to whether this can happen or not in 2020. Hey, Bruce, um, I'm interested in something like, as we get closer and if there are games, and, and even if there aren't, like as we go here over the next 20 days, I'm interested in creativity coming out of necessity around the league you know and we've talked about this in terms of strategy what we might see in in pitching league-wide strategies developing um and i don't know if they will but could i ask your assistance in being on the lookout for that because those kind of things i love when people have to get creative and teams have to get creative and they figure out you see what the red sox did at fenway where each player 
is is having a lot a suite as their locker instead of instead of using the locker room. They need to keep socially distanced, so they just moved yep. them upstairs, and everybody gets a suite. I think that's smart. You know, actually, I, I mean that, that's interesting. You know, it is. I mean, uh, here, you know, the White Sox have created a lot of uh, different things in their tunnels as far as workouts and weight rooms and taking them out of uh, you know extremely closed areas. I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. I know they've done the same thing at Wrigley to try to move as many things as they can outside uh, to give them the sense of uh, security and uh, and for health purposes, knowing that outside is certainly better than inside when you're around other people. So yeah, uh, that'll be that'll be fun to do. Maybe we can come up with a with an all 2020 strategy game, right? For uh, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't so damn serious and uh, unfortunate, we could have more fun with it. Yeah, no, exactly. That, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the list of opt-outs, pe- people who are opting out for sensible uh, reasons and, and, and their, own, their, own, their own fears or family situations or whatever. And I'm thinking, boy, we could put together an all-opt-out team here. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, you got a good start with Freddie Freeman and LeMayhew and Perez, all, all-star quality guys. Well, but, uh, a, it's, those are the, it's, the virus guys. I, I, uh, yeah, I was trying to think about just the opt-out guys, but either they're both, they're, they're both morbid, frankly, to even try and smile at. Yeah, so. it, it really is. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, you'll get a lot of activity on social media just bringing it up. So <laughs> if that's your intent, you know, oh, you, you'll, you'll have plenty of activity. Anyway, you know, hopefully, hopefully that this testing is really a good thing and that these positive tests are going to be fewer and farther in between as we move on and the sport can continue. I think that's that's what we're all hoping for, and, and we hope that that's true. Absolutely. Bruce, thanks so much. If anything else um, <clears throat> happens over there, let us know, okay? All right, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. It's Bruce Levine, the score's baseball insider on, uh, on 670, the score. Strange times. <clears throat> Crazy times indeed. Um, but you guys know what I mean. Like when creativity comes out of necessity – it's I, I it, it's fascinating to me, and I, I hope to see it strategically in that we get to games. But some of the things that um, that people are doing, all right, let's set up. We need an extra area over here, and as I mentioned, like the Red Sox using the the suites as lockers at at Fenway is is rather ingenious. You know, Roger Bossert is on top of all of those things over at Guaranteed Rate. The sod father, the sodman, the son of a sodman, the son of a son of a sodman. Um, that, that's Dan McNeil's guy. And I've grown to know Roger Bossert through the years and he's just a joy. Uh, one of my, uh, perhaps my, my, one of my greatest experiences in spring training ever. I should do that list. Cause it's a good list. Actually. I'm, I've been a very lucky man was Roger Bossert taking me on a tour of the new tech cage at White Sox spring training just this year at Camelback. That was so cool. Me and Parkins and Mac and Shep. All got a chance to uh, to walk over there and see their um, their rapsodo and uh, see their see their stuff, you know. Um, it was very very cool. The edutronic cameras and all that stuff. But anyway, Roger Bossard was on with McNeil and Parkins this week and was talking about his personal value to the White Sox on an annual basis in terms of wins and losses. You know, Bill Vex said years ago he thought a good groundkeeper was worth six to eight games. I can't say that. I wish I was worth that because I go to Jerry and get a raise. Uh, but um, I, I like to feel that you know what a good groundkeeper can be two to, can be worth two to four games. And if that's the case, sometimes at the end of the year, uh, those two or four games they might be in play. 
<laughs> we had two record to four wins above replacement. You you deserve a raise based on how they're paying uh, these guys with the advanced analytics, Roger. That's impressive. Yeah, um, seriously, that's I don't I don't know if Roger needs a raise. I think yeah. Roger makes I think Roger makes a lot. I think Roger does just fine, and he should. Been there forever, and he's one of the biggest in in his field. One of the most important guys uh, doing it now. One of the more important guys ever to do it. Look, I, when when the when when the Cubs needed to install a new modern drainage system at Wrigley, they called Roger Bossert, and he went over. He helped out. I mean, I can't go very deep on groundskeepers on Major League Baseball groundskeepers. Sean, you got another one? Draft? <clears throat> yeah. Who's going second in your MLB groundskeeper draft? Ooh, uh, uh, hold on. Let me uh, <laughs> let me just look some up. <laughs> yeah. Got any? No. Okay. Uh, George Toma, the all-timer. That's, that's one of the greatest of all time. He, he's probably most famous groundskeeper. You know, nothing like... Like online audio, George Toma. I just, I typed in most famous groundskeeper, and that's the guy that comes up. Nailed it. Not just an, an MLB guy, an NFL guy. He's like, yeah, George Toma is considered the sod father. That's what they call him. Oh boy, he's ninety-one years old, still alive. Sean, can we get him? Come on, we might have weeks to fill here. Might have more weeks to fill. I'm putting in an official interview request for 91-year-old George Toma on this show right here on 670 The Score. Maybe I'll, Jason, I'll, yeah. I'll work on that, but then um, I'll, I'll also, in the second round, I'll take groundskeeper Willie in my, in my groundskeeper draft. I'm sorry. Looking for somebody who's actually done it on a professional major league level. You 30 years have... on Fox, baby. That's a yes. professional uh, enough. Uh, okay, well, then I'll take Carl. I'll take Carl from Caddyshack, <laughs> and I have a better team than all of you. Damn it. Somehow, I have three and you only have one. That was not a very well-executed draft. Let's find out who Jason Benetti would pick next in the groundskeeper draft. The great groundskeeper draft of the 2020 non-baseball season. The voice of the White Sox joins us next on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 